Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The only podcast where us geeks drink and tell you our opinion on things. Yes, that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your host, Matt. I'm Adam. All right, folks. Well, we're back for another installment of our podcast. And before we get started... Just let you know, you can find, follow, like, comment, subscribe, uh, rate, whatever you want to do on all our social media platforms yes. at Geek Drink Pod. So that's Facebook, Twitter, if it's still around, Instagram, TikTok, Discord. Uh, we said we were on Pornhub, but we decided that probably was not a good good choice. You never know. <laughs> we got we got banned from Pornhub for not being porny enough. <laughs> We were just so porny. We were too lubricated, Adam. (laughs) Oh, nasty. (laughs) Oh, well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, let's talk about what we always talk about first. Our drink. Our drink of the week. Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. All right, so you picked this one out. Yeah. Um, I was walking through the store and I was like, ooh, this was good, but I didn't want a six pack of it. I wanted to build your own six pack and get a couple of things because if we didn't like it, I don't want to be stuck with a six pack. Yeah, that's that's always smart. I like that option at certain stores where you can build your own. Yep. Um, And so this one coming to us this week is from Dry Dock Brewery Company, which is another local company here in Denver. Aurora, Colorado. Yes. I I really like a lot of their stuff. Oh, yeah, they're great. This is the Raspberry Churro Porter. Um, I know it's a little warm for per- porter season, but raspberry churro, it sounds like it's good. a good True. You, you can't go wrong with so, churros. Yeah, it's 5.4% alcohol, um, brewed with raspberries and other natural flavors, because I'm pretty sure you can't find churros in the wild. Yeah, well, it'd be hard to find them here in Colorado, but <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? I, 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 if there was such a thing as a churro plant, I'd be all over that. Oh, yeah. That would be great. All right. Well, Cheers. Cheers. Mmm. Not a lot of raspberry to it, though. But it's good. I kind of get a little, like, tartness, but... Yeah, I thought it'd be a little bit more in the raspberry flavor, which is not a bad thing. Um, yeah, but you definitely get the porter and the cinnamon from yeah. the churro. And... and I was, I don't know, I guess I've been on a huge raspberry kick lately. Like, my granola bars have raspberry in them. My morning yogurt has raspberry in it, and I don't know. I've just been on a raspberry kick lately, so. Oh, there you go. But still, I mean, it's good. I like it. I like this one. I definitely have that coffee flavor in my mouth now, which is not a bad thing on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Or no. Sunday afternoon. It's not a bad thing at all. All right. And, well, we've been lubricated. Yes. Not too much this time. Just slightly lubricated. We, uh, I don't hear any creaks and, and groans from no. our, our old joints. <laughs> <laughs> I had to clarify where the creeks and groans are coming from. Yeah, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that means it's time to talk about our topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? All right, and this week, folks, I know we talked about Guardians last week. 
Um, and we said we were going to talk about Guardians this week, but we're going to take a pause for a week just so everyone kind of digest. We don't yeah. want to do Guardians, 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 and then, you know, you're tired of hearing us talk about Star-Lord and Groot and Rocket. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll be back next week with, with Guardians Volume 2. Um, but we wanted to do something that just kind of recently ended mm-hmm. um, within the past week or so. Um, kind of like how we did with Last of Us, but we're going to talk about the end, well, all three seasons of The Mandalorian. Yes. So far. So. So. We figured it's kind of current. It's been out, like, the third season finished a few weeks ago, and uh, it's kind of given people some time to mull things over in their head, and, uh, yeah, so, if yeah. there's, uh, if you haven't watched any of it, um... Then I've, what, what do you, you... Definitely check out the first season. Get a good feel for it. Yeah. Um, but let's just dive into it, Adam. Um, All right. You know, one thing I will I will jump out there and say that this show does so well, especially in the first season, is it really separates itself from the rest of Star Wars lore. Yes. You know, it it's not about the Jedi. It's not about you know Order sixty six. It's not about. Uh, the Clone Wars. I mean, these things are slightly referenced, but it's the Jedi have been gone for at this point, like, I think 30, 40 years. And yeah. so younger generations really never experienced the Jedi, so they don't talk about it so much. It's just like a mythology now at this point yeah. to them. Um, I mean, what are your initial thoughts? Well, the one thing, and I kind of spin off of what you're saying, is I really like the fact that it's a smaller kind of story within a bigger universe. Like, like kind of you were saying, it's like, all these things happened. The Death Star blew up twice. Um, the Empire was defeated. It's like all these big events from the movies and TV shows have happened. And it's just picking up kind of right after. But it's uh, more about a guy making his way in the galaxy, pretty much. And it's just kind of a, a more intimate setting where yeah. it's like, oh, we're kind of focusing on just a few characters and kind of this person's journey and that made it feel a lot more intimate and a lot more enjoyable for me um when they're kind of those smaller stories and it's not like oh my god there's han solo or spoilers luke skywalker but yeah no i i I like that too because you've You've had so much of those characters, and not that it's a bad thing, but you had, obviously, the OG trilogy, the sequel trilogy, where you had the return of those characters recently. Mm-hmm. And the prequel trilogy. The prequel trilogy, where you talk about Luke's dad, mostly. I mean, this series, at least the first season, even part of the second season, definitely felt like we are in a different universe within the Star Wars universe. Yes, yeah. and it's like... Not everything has to be the emperor the emperor versus a skywalker yeah. or it's like the skywalkers aren't the most important thing in this storyline um it's definitely more about the mandalorian character and his sort of relationship with his young Rogu. with his young little friend <laughs> and and so obviously let's address the the baby Yoda in the room yeah um how do you feel about Baby Yoda? I think he's cute. Um, I love the fact that he was a practical effect. Um, that was, I think, added to him sounding very adorable. 
Um, well, and that's the thing too. Just not to interrupt you, but I think the good thing about the series is a lot of everything is practical. Yes, and a little bit more grungy. Like things felt a little like more worn down, a little dirtier, a little grimier, but and a lot more intense and violent than most of the stuff we see. Yeah, and it, it, it felt very tangible. Yeah, like I could grab it. And hold it. It's yeah, the interior violent. of the Razor Crest. I think they built like most of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, yeah, you could walk around that ship pretty much. <laughs> and so I'm like, that is awesome. It's kind of kind of reminds me of Firefly, where they like pretty much like everything was practical. Yeah. As much as they could, and then yeah, they throw in a visual effect to assist. If you will. Um, well, and one thing this series kind of pioneered that we're starting to see in some of these other movies and TV shows is this 360 high def video wall. Yeah. Where the visual artists and the visual effects are done real time and the actors can react to the scenery being changed, they can mm-hmm. react to ships flying by, and they actually use the Unreal Engine for all yeah. the ship designs and. and CGI for that stuff. Yeah, so it looks really good. And, uh, yeah, and I can just imagine, like, and I know I kind of rag on the uh, the prequel trilogy a bit just because, for the most part, it's like those actors had no idea where they were. They you were see just, this blue box? It's a speeder. Yeah, that's pretty much all it is. It's like they could only react to a blue screen. And so you have no sense of scale, no sense of things going on around you. Um, yeah. And then George goes in and adds like four million speeder bikes behind you. And you're like, wouldn't you notice? But I mean, that's kind of, I think they're, they tried to learn from their kind of like maybe some of the pitfalls and some of the complaints that people had about those sort of things in the prequel trilogy and we're like hey like what can we do to make this a little more tangible for people a little bit more like even for the actors to make it so they have better visual reference of what's going on yeah and i think you know tying into that talk about all the blue screens and stuff they did on the prequel trilogy that's one thing they did right in the sequel trilogy is bring back a lot of the practical effects of it and the on on on-site location shooting. Yeah. So, I really like that. And, like, yeah, going back to the Baby Yoda thing, it's just, like, it felt more real than a flying green frog that's all CG that's wielding a crazy lightsaber. And that's one thing I love. He never uses a lightsaber. Like, he he doesn't get one. Nope. And I'm like, that's what I... How I see that, like... I wish Yoda did is like never used a lightsaber. He used the force and that was his only thing. But of course people wanted to see a fighting Yoda for some reason, but I was one of them. Yeah. Well, I was kind of like, Oh, that's cool. And then, then the, uh, the novelty wore thin. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad. And, and you know, before we steered the Yoda train back on tracks, Mm -hmm. I was glad that it wasn't, Something we saw in the OG trilogy, and we didn't even see it in the first movie, Phantom Menace. It was yep. still the the puppet. Um, but that's the thing I like this series is doing about 
with Baby Yoda slash Grogu is yes, we see him. He is a tangible part of the universe. He's a main character. But like you said, A, he's not a Jedi, and B, we're not really learning about his species still. He's still oh, yeah. the mystery. And I'm glad John Favreau is doing that, or Favreau, is doing that to keep that mystery alive. That there are certain things that we may never need to figure out. Yeah. And we can always have our head cannon and wonder and, and theorize, but the fact that it's not like, oh, this series is let's go find Planet Yoda. Yeah. Let's go find all these little green guys. Yeah. Instead, it's just like, oh, here's another green one. Okay. Yeah. I, I like... I, and even during... Throughout the show, um, it feels like each director is kind of making, like, stories, like, that they like. Yeah. Or, whether it's, like, it feels like an old western or a monster movie or whatever. It's, like, each... Because most of the episodes are directed by different people but it's like each thing feels yeah a little different and it's great with the showrunners they have for this obviously john favreau is doing a good job with the a lot of the writing a lot of the writing and and kind of the direction of the show but i think really in my opinion where most of credit is due of keeping the show a still grounded within itself but still connected to the entire universe is dave filoni yeah so, I mean, I, don't, I think uh, Dave Filoni is probably one of the better things that's happened to Star Wars mm-hmm. over the past few years. Um, I mean, his work is evident in, obviously, Clone Wars, <laughs> Rebels. Um, I'm excited. To he- so, if, if for those of you who haven't been following, I know we talked about it briefly a few episodes ago, but they announced some more new Star Wars movies. Yep. And Dave Filoni got the nod to direct one. Nice. And his movie is going to be what ties the Mando, Ahsoka, the Skeleton Crew shows all together. Okay. And this plot thread, all three shows are weaving that will slowly come together for this movie event. Okay. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So, so so season one of The Mandalorian, it's definitely a... A universe-building season, I think. Yes, you find out about... Like, you meet Moff Gideon just at the end, but you learn more about, like, what Beskar Steel is, how the man, like the Mandalorian's kind of creed that they have. Um, you learn more about Bounty Hunter Guilds. Yeah. You learn more about... Um, and... You don't really, and not to jump ahead from what we're talking about right now, but you start to see, as you've watched all three seasons now, if you go back and watch, the seeds of the First Order slowly being planted. Yes, yeah, you you definitely get to see the remnant of the The old old empire, but now what's going to go forward, what's going to happen new. Yeah, and I, I like that because... I mean, obviously, the First Order was just kind of thrust in our face. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they, they're doing some retconning and trying to explain it the way Star Wars is epically done. Like, hey, here's this thing, but we'll explain it later. Yeah. Um, Which I don't know if that is more... Like, is it more satisfying from a narrative standpoint to, like, almost... If we had the Mando series before we had 
the sequel trilogy, or is it more no. narrative satisly like satisfying to kind of be blending it together and be like, ooh, there's that hint of yeah, I what I saw years and years ago. Because if you had the Mando come out before the sequel trilogy, A, you'd have been like, well, where are these guys during the sequel trilogy? Yeah. B, you've seen this big bad coming, so you mm. know that you're like, why don't they see it? Why don't our characters know about this? Yeah. And I think finally it... If you had you watched The Mandalorian and then gone to see the sequel trilogy, you'd be even more disappointed in the sequel trilogy. Probably. I mean, I still like Force Awakens. I like The Force Awakens. I like The Last Jedi. Um, Rise of the Skywalker is where it really... That, that's one where good. they were trying to course correct their ship. They were like... <gasps> they still hit the iceberg, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah. But there was a lot of mistakes made with that sequel trilogy which could be a whole other episode it will but be <laughs> anyway <laughs> so um I, I do we want to move on to season two yeah we can talk a little bit about season two so season two i feel is more of that epic quest that we're on yes and let's let's backtrack just a hair before we get into season two we haven't talked about any of the actors in the series yeah so pedro pascal does the voice pretty much of the Mandalorian. Um, most of the time it's another, yeah, like a stunt performer. I, the first two seasons it armor. was mostly him, yeah. and the last season it wasn't because of The Last of Us. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was a great cast. You've oh, got... Yeah. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, who also directed a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Taiki Watiti, yep. who plays IG-11. Yep. Um, he directed a few episodes. Uh, you've got uh, Ming Na Wan. Yep. Uh, you have Nick Nolte does Nick the Nolte. voice of the the Ugnaught. Yep. I'm trying to think who else you have that was a big name. Uh, I don't know. There was this Gina. Oh, Caro. Who's that again? <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside fired. joke for people who know. They know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've got Nick Nolte, Gina. Carano, Giancarlo Esposito. Yep. Um, Emily Swallow, who wasn't a big name until she did this. Yeah. Um, Werner Herzog. Yeah, Werner Herzog. Uh, Amy Sedaris. Uh, Bill Burr. Yep. Who is not a Star Wars fan. That's what he was saying, but I think... He enjoyed it. I think he... Yeah, I'm like, but hey, that's okay. You can... Maybe it's good to not have a Star Wars fan... Oh, Clancy Brown. Yep. That's right. So, that's the first season. And you've got some huge directors. Like you said, Deborah Chow, Dave Filoni, Bryce Dallas Howard. uh, Dave Filoni, John Favreau. Yeah, you got a ton. Yeah. And a lot of these directors, they come back. um, Yeah. For for other other episodes and other seasons. Um, so it's always nice to see them coming back, but um, yeah, no, I mean it was uh, it was a fun little story, had a pretty satisfying kind of ending. I felt um, just kind of Moff Moff Gideon using the dark saber and grabbing yeah. his ass out of the Tie Fighter. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Well, that whole last episode was just fun. Yeah, it was it was just an adventure of his, their escape. It wasn't, you know, 
improbable. It seemed very real and realistic. Um, you've got the stormtrooper remnants coming out and just yeah. laying waste with the gun with the like the Gatling gun type blaster. Yeah. Um, and then so like we said, we move into season two. Same kind of cast. You do add um, spoiler alert, Mark Hamill. Only at the very very end, end, but um, but big name directors again. You add <laughs> Robert Rodriguez, Peyton Reed mm-hmm. um, to the cat to the directing credits. Um, yeah, and so this season, like I said, it feels like kind of like the epic quest, yes. where we're trying to figure out how to get Grogu back to the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and you run into Ahsoka, you run into Boba Fett, you run into. More Mandalorians like Bo, uh, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, yeah. And it kind of starts this whole thing of kind of because that was always a thing. Like if you watch like the Clone Wars or Rebels, it's like yeah, there's these Mandalorians that keep their helmets on, and this one it's like very strict. Like no, no, we don't take our helmets off for anything. So it, it's kind of interesting to bring that sort of. The, the fracturing of that sort of culture. Um, yeah. You... Well, it's... And it, if you watch Rebels and Clone Wars, you kind of see where Bo-Katan's group of Mandalorians come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of get a feel where the Mandalorians group of Mandalorians come from being from uh, Death Watch Remnants and stuff like that. Yeah, So... You know, this, like I said, this season definitely feels it's like, like orthodox and, and um, neo traditional. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, this, like I said, it's a quest and we're trying to get to find where, where we find out Grogu's name. We're trying to get him back to the Jedi. And so we're traveling to all these different planets with all these little clues that we get. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you go to this planet, you will meet someone who knows a Jedi. And yeah. Oh, wait, it's Bo-Katan. Oh, and she's like, okay, help me and I'll yeah. give you the name. Okay, I helped you. Okay, now you're going to go find Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And then Ahsoka... Played by Rodario, Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm starting to get a little tongue-tied from this uh, porter. <laughs> from Dry Dock Brewing Company in Aurora, Colorado. <laughs> Thank you, Vanna White. Yeah. Well, whenever we get the camera set up, I'll I'll do it. <laughs> we'll do an ad read for a yeah. company we don't have an ad for. <laughs> exactly. Just try and... We need sponsors. <laughs> um, yes, we do. So, you see Ahsoka and her episode kind of give us a backdoor into her series coming up. Because mm-hmm. she's asking about Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Which was a big thing from Rebels, and now we see it's going to be a big thing in her series. Yes. Um, but we also didn't say who plays Bo-Katan. Playing Bo-Katan is Katie Sackhoff. Who, if I recall, she did the voice of Bo-Katan. She did the voice of Bo-Katan. Yep. Okay. She's perfect for it. Oh, yeah. And actually, um, John Favreau voiced one of his... Voice of Mandalorian in Rebels and Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And the character... Um, the big, big, beefy... Blue guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I call Paz, him Blue Paz, guy. Yeah. Paz Vizsla. Yeah. Is voiced by John Favreau, again, uncredited, mm-hmm. playing the descendants of the character he was in Clone Wars. Yeah. So, so 
fun little fact there. Um, but we also bring back Bill Burr again for the season for an and episode. This is actually like a great episode because in the first season, Bill Burr's like with this like kind of mercenary group, yeah, and they're or like I don't want to say mercenaries, but they were kind of like criminals trying to a merry band of non-Robin Hood yeah. type characters. And this is where you start to see kind of more. Bill Burr's character come through and like his redemption almost where like you find out like yeah he used to be with the Empire and he was treated like really really horribly he's got a little bit of PTSD from it still. yeah and so that was a awesome little little nugget to put in there for his like to give him, like this one character that really was only in like one episode make him actually like have a pretty damn good story. Yeah, and we see the Mandalorian take his helmet off for non-medical reasons. Um, Is that like... So yeah, he got his helmet taken off in the first season, but he didn't tell anyone about it. No, and it doesn't count because there was no person. It was a droid who saw him. Okay. Um, But then, yeah, in this one, he has to... Like, they're infiltrating an Imperial base, and he needs to take off his helmet for something yeah. I to do some password thing and well yeah do some password thing because Bill Burr's character is recognized is going to be recognized by the commander of the base because he mm-hmm. served under him at some point yeah and then they're like what's your chain code what's your name and Bill Burr runs in and is like oh my my friend's deaf uh, too many blaster shots near the face you know yeah so um, and then we also have the return of Boba Fett yes uh, played by Tamira Morrison this was the big reveal yeah because you, you had a glimpse of his hand in, in season one, saving Fennec Shard. Yeah, exactly. So, but this was kind of the big, the first time. Yeah, and it's the first time that he actually played Boba Fett. True, because he played obviously he played Jango Fett and the cl- and a lot the of the clones, and and then he played as well. Um, he redid Boba Fett's voice for a redub of Empire. Oh, really? Yeah, for the one line he had in Empire. Yeah. So, um, yet another uh, glimpse of George Lucas's re-canonizing stuff over and over again. Can't do it anymore! Yeah. Um, (laughs) I did find out something interesting. Like, the reason he, like, for um, A New Hope, that he did a lot of the re-edits after the fact, because I guess his ex-wife... Was, was, yeah. was the editor? <laughs> she she claimed royalties on it, so that's yeah, why he, did so he, and he recut it and re-edited it. But I'm still like, I actually bought off of, um, I think it was Facebook Marketplace, like the original unaltered trilogy on Blu-ray, mm. and it's like, granted, it's like a 720p cut of yeah. it, but I'm like. I just want to have this one. This is how I remember Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I remember the VHS cup. The, the, yep. Yeah. The VHS. I remember those ones. And we and before every movie, you had a, a commentary and director, like, yeah. speech or talk about it in an interview. Yeah. And they, I know they released, like, one that was, like, a digital remaster that they did. And I think this is the one that, what it came off of, um, where they kind of just... Cleaned up the picture, cleaned up the sound, yeah, but not the whole like redo redo of CG stuff. Yeah, it was so. Anyway, but we're getting off topic. That's all right. So getting us back on topic, um, yeah. I think 
we have to obviously, obviously mention season three, which I feel was a little bit more of a train wreck than season one and two, especially with a two-year wait. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I understand that we've set up that we need to fan Mandalore again. I, I, we understand that now that Din Djarin has the Darksaber, that we're going to see that kind of tr- journey. Mm-hmm. It just, to me, it felt like we could have done more finding Mandalore in the first couple episodes and then got to what made the first season so good of him just kind of questing him yeah. on a journey. And definitely this season definitely felt like it was a... Almost like they were going to set up to show Bo-Katan as the new lead and kind of write Din Djarin off with Pedro Pascal doing The Last of Us. Yeah, and I mean, before, actually, I just want to mention some of the stuff. Like, you definitely need to watch uh, The Book of Boba Fett came out in between uh, Season 2 and Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Um, I liked the show. I think Robert Rodriguez's flair is... Sometimes goes off the rails, but... Yeah, when you've got biker gangs Cholo, on Space Vespa. Cholo biker gangs. Yeah. But I will say, the one thing I liked about the book of Boba Fett was... You got a lot of Boba Fett's backstory from when he got out of the Sarlacc pit to mm-hmm. when he met up with the Mandalorian. Which I liked. I, I, lo- I liked it. I think the it was Tusken really Raider well stuff was awesome. It was. And I liked that we only got bits and pieces of a story instead of a whole episode of backstory. Yeah. It was like, okay, here's a flashback. Here's a little bit of this. Here's a little nugget. Yeah. I like I liked the way they did that. Not not often does storytelling do that well, but I think they did it well yeah. in Book of Boba Fett. But they had to for Book of Boba Fett, like, because at the end of season two, spoiler alert, uh, Grogu and Luke find each other, and Luke takes Grogu to... Be trained, yeah. Be trained. Um... But in Book of Boba Fett, that's when you see Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, go to see Grogu, and Grogu it's makes the decision to go back. Back to yeah. Well, he doesn't even see Grogu. He yeah. just Ahsoka's there, Luke's there, and Ahsoka's like, "Look, he can't have the attachment. You, we, you're you're preventing his training from moving forward." Yeah, which is kind of bizarre considering that I don't. I think Ahsoka. She's not really a Jedi. No, she's not. She left the Order during Clone Wars. Yeah, so it's like you think that she would not have, like, not be a problem with that. And also, Luke has all these attachments to people. So, but anyway, so yeah, you gotta watch Book of Boba Fett before Season 3. So, back to Season 3. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. So, well, and funny fact is when... The actors went to go perform, um, or not perform, but to shoot Book of Bubba Fett. They didn't know it was going to be its own series at first. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, we're filming season three of The Mandalorian. And half and like a couple of days into filming, they're like, hey guys, we're actually making our own TV show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, but you've got, going back to Book of Bubba Fett briefly, because I, I, I do view this as Mandalorian season two and a half. Yeah, 2.5. Um, you've got Cad Bane mm-hmm. making his live screen debut with the original voice actor dubbing over the, the physical actor. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well done. And actually, I was kind of curious how they're going to like make him physical. Yeah. Because his character in, in Clone Wars is so... 
if you guys hear that, it's our it's the Chihuahua, our mascots in the yeah, office. Yeah, our mascot. <laughs> um, the we'll get the you character a, in get Clone you a Wars is so pod T-shirt. Whenever we get merch, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do have a security T-shirt for him. We can just have him wear a security T-shirt mm-hmm. from now on. He's our personal security guard. Yeah. We'll just print heat drink pod. <laughs> um, so you've got Cad Bane, and like I said. Clone Wars character, and with animation, you can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. You can make him crazy. You can make him kind of otherworldly. And then, oh, wait, he's going to be live action. It's kind of interesting to see. They did a really good, faithful recreation. Yeah. And I liked the scenes between him and um, Timothy Oliphant, where it felt like, again, like these directors were doing like what they wanted to do. They're like, hey, I want to make one episode that's kind of like a Western. <laughs> I want to make one that's like this. <laughs> I want to make a monster one. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so, season three, you know, now that we've had two and a half, mm-hmm. Grogu's back. He's got his little chainmail shirt Yeah, on. his Beskar chainmail shirt. Yeah, and eventually gets his little paladron on his shoulder. Yep. Um, I like this season for the fact that you start to see the Mandalorians come together as a tribe, and they start... You know, they accept Din Djarin back after his quest. For... Yeah, so because he removed his helmet, he became what they call an apostate. And the only way he is able to redeem himself is if he bathes in the water, or the living waters of Mandalore. Yep. So that sets him on a little quest. <laughs> and off he goes. Um, I liked the look of kind of the glassed over Mandalore. Yeah, it's been so bombed and yeah. so devastated that it's, a, it's, it's all, like all obsidian. Yeah, it's all kind of glass, which they, they always, uh, they talked about a lot in, uh, if you're a fan of the Halo series, that's kind of what the Covenant did to planets as they would yeah. bombard it with like so much plasma, it would turn everything to glass, which is a fun little science fact. But um, um, we really liked the, but I, I really liked the look of it. Because you could see, like, yeah, it's this run-down, destroyed planet. Yeah. You could tell it was a damaged and destroyed world. and it, But underneath, it things were thriving. decaying still, yeah. but there is still life. A there's a mythosaur. There's these weird gorilla-like creatures. There's a weird spider robot thingy. <laughs> like, there's... there's <laughs> that, that's weird spider robot thingy. It almost made me... I was predicting while watching the fight. Hey, while watching the fight, that it was a grievous reincarnated because yeah, it looked very grievous like with the eye and the mechanical parts and the, and the yeah. um, anatomicalness of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really i I just thought like yeah, you kind of see that how life has kind of changed for certain critters on the planet. It's not toxic. It's these other beings are kind of taking it over, but um, yeah, I just kind of thought that was interesting because yeah, they kept mentioning in the uh, like that the planet's like toxic and no one should go there and all that, and I think that was more just a a tactic to kind of more divide the Mandalorians and push them away, and then you find out later that Moff Gideon has a base set up on Mandalore. <laughs> Um, so he can get a bunch of Beskar armor. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was kind of interesting to kind of give him a quest of 
his personal redemption. And yeah, um, at first he goes and asks Bo-Katan for help. And Bo-Katan, you find out because she didn't return with the dark saber, her her squad, her all her troops have abandoned her. And they are now um, mercenaries mm-hmm. for Lizzo. For Lizzo. And Jack Black. Yes, yeah, so that actually was another um, interesting one. And it's kind of funny because I was watching that one and I was just like, wait a second. Like, all the Bryce Dallas Howard directed ones always feel a little lighter. But in a good way. Yeah. Like, kind of breaks the... kind of. It does. And you, it, you get that levity, in, especially in this episode... Because he's been on this quest to redeem himself, and now he's with Bo-Katan, and they're trying to yeah. get and the troops necessary to take back Mandalore. And here they are on this planet with repurposed ballot droids from the uh, Clone Wars. That was kind of fun to see. And it was voiced by Matt Woods, who did Grievous, mm-hmm. um, the battle droids, mm-hmm. um, Anakin and Clone Wars as well. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. Like, Mando's just like, well, they're reprogrammed. Whack, whack, He's whack. kicking them. Because um, he has a, a bit of backstory with the, the battle droids from yes. when he was a kid. He's very not trusting of droids in general. But, um, yeah, he uh, he's just sort of... He's more of like a bull in a china shop where um, Bo-Katan's trying to be more like politically correct if, and democratic. Let's be honest. If I had... The armor and the weaponry that the Mandalorian has, I'd be a bull in a china shop too. Yeah, but I, I kind of like the finesse that Bo-Katan is trying to bring to it, and he's just like, "Er." Well, and talking about Bo-Katan, I think for me, the way Katie Sackoff plays this character is so good because you see, see, it's a, it's a huge departure from the way she portrayed Starbuck in Battlestar. Yeah, I didn't like. I know you didn't like Battlestar, but in Battlestar, she's very much that bull in the china shop kind of character. Where oh, yeah. She's just like, all right, I'm a hotshot pilot. I am the shit. I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to yeah. force my way to get what I want. And here she is, that more finesse, semi politician, semi warrior person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was that was episode six. I just want to go back to the previous episode. That's the one with like the pirates. Uh-huh. Um, did you notice the like first mate on the pirate ship? Don't you think he kind of looked like Smee from Peter Pan? Yes, with the striped <laughs> shirt on. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, and a leafy job of the hut yeah. captain. And more SNL alumni, because they've had, like, Jason Sudeikis on it. Oh, I forgot we talked about that. Jason Sudeikis playing the speeder bike guy. Who punches Grogu. Grogu. That was a really funny episode. Yeah, you have Tim Meadows in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really, like, I liked it. I mean, that one kind of gave Bo-Katan, like, the mission to, like, where it's like, hey, you need to reunite everyone but yeah then the guns for hire episode episode six that's the one with jack back and lizzo and um lizzo was adorable with grogu oh god yeah and lizzo's a huge star wars fan too yeah so i I liked that and then yeah it was kind of weird like seeing the mandalorians as mercs and 
you get another great cameo from Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> yes, playing a pro-separatist uh, computer programmer. Yeah, but uh, kind of uh, like, yeah, and it was nice to see like the Ugnaughts again, which was kind of, they had a little throwback to season one. Where... Yeah, and the way that um, Din Djarin knows how to talk to them. Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah, and then, you know, you move towards the end of the season, but we can't bypass, um, which episode was it? It was... Oh, the the Convert. The episode Convert. Episode three. Yes. We're pretty much on Coruscant, and we're talking yes. about Dr. Pershing and Ella Kane, who is kind of an undercover spy from off Gideon. She is fantastic in this show, by yes. the way. Um, who plays her? Um, let's see. Because she is... Katie M. O'Brien. Okay, she so was... she was in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Okay, you haven't seen it yet, but she plays a decent character in that. Okay. Um, she's been in Black Lightning, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's pretty much been it. Okay, well, she she's delightful. Like, I thought she kind of... It was kind of a... The, the convert's an interesting thing, so it takes place with... Uh, the doctor from the season from the first season. What what was his name again? Doctor Pershing. Pershing, who was trying to assist with the cloning stuff. Um, pretty much, he gets, he got captured like a lot of the Imperials um, by the New Republic and went to like a re-education camp and is just trying to re reintegrate, reintegrate. Into new republic society exactly but you kind of see that there's this prejudice against imperials and imps uh, imps which i love <laughs> that they do that because it makes it feel like that world war 2 kind of drama that yeah. the dog fighting was supposed to resemble because you had derogatory names the crouts the yeah. japs you know now we have the imps Jerry. yeah <laughs> come on Jerry. um but yeah so um, but it was kind of an uh, interesting story where you got to see, like, this, these two people. Like, you think, like, oh, yeah. If you, on the surface, you're like, oh, this is very nice. They found each other. Things are very sweet. But if you kind of know, you know that she's just manipulating him to the point where she mind, Drugs, yeah. mind tortures him to death. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, so... It was nice to kind of, because I know she makes a comeback kind of in um, the pirate episode where she's also sort of pulling some strings. Yeah, cause, she's in the background. Yeah, the they were trying to get pirates attack. Yeah. The, she just, asked she's, the, she's basically gathering information. She's not saying anything that scene. She's not integral. Yeah. But she's there collecting information that no one knows about. Exactly. And you get a cameo from Rebels. With Garazim. Yeah, I was going to ask if that was him. It was, yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I really liked that episode. And, like, that that one felt like kind of a fun, like, swashbuckling adventure. It did. It did. <laughs> and, and it's again, goes back to this whole thing of, like, them making a story or a type of story that they want to do for each episode. And, yeah, so then, yeah, we did Guns for Hire. And then we um, get to the last two episodes of the season where yeah. you have kind of the plot of Moff Gideon. Yeah. First two episodes, first two seasons kind of laid bare now with him actually on Mandalore. That's where his base of operations is. 
his goal with Grogu in the first season was to take his blood and make a Jedi clone of himself to work with the Dark Tumor armor. Yeah. And so he's kind of like a, you find out that he's kind of a Mandalorian fanboy almost. Oh, God. (laughs) But it was like, this is like, you get to see more of the stuff with uh, IG-12. Which is awesome because Baby Yoda has a little robot to drive that says yes or no. Yeah. And And it being a parent and him slamming the no button so much, mm -hmm. it, it gave me... Feels (laughs) Feels <laughs> yes of my baby daughter just going no 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 all the time to everything and uh, yeah so in this one they kind of are like hey we're gonna retake the Mandal like Mandalore and then they find out that Moth Gideon's like using this as um, his base of operation he's made like a bunch of dark troopers with um, Beskar armor yeah you've got. Best guard troopers. You also have during that Shadow Council, you know, they're talking about Thrawn, which will lead into the Ahsoka series. Yeah. And then Hux was in Hux, it. His father, yeah, yeah. his dad, um, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Because then, like I said, you're tying in that element of the First Order. And you can see this is where the First Order is kind yeah. of born out of. It's these Shadow Council talks. Yes. Um, but, uh, and the first time you actually get to see the, whatever, the Protarian, or the Praetorian Praetorian guard. guard. They were pretty badass. Yeah, poor blue dude. Paz Vizla. Yeah. Um, and then... Blue dude. You, <laughs> blue dude. <laughs> and then you also see... Um, oh, what's, what was I looking for? You see... The cycle finally broken from the Mandalorians when, he, when the Darksaber is broken. Yeah. It's like this... Cursed... Well, that happens in the next one. Yeah. And... So, ultimately, it's pretty much we get we go on to the next one, and it's the big counterattack of the Empire on Mandalore. So, they're they're all getting attacked. A bunch of people are dying. The ships attacked. Yeah. Um. Pretty much, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, Axe like, Wolves takes a ship and crashes it into the base. Yeah, that's kind of a redemption for him. He was kind of a an asshole through <laughs> dig for the earlier yeah. episodes, but then, um, but yeah, you have a big fight between um, Bo Katan and uh, Moff Gideon, and Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the her redemption almost, yeah, uh, like her rematch. But it's like, do you, like you hear his armor when he's moving, so mechanical. It sounds like there's like mechanical augmentations it to is, it. So and I it's think like it's he's, he's explained how. He wanted his clones to have some Jedi, some of him, and then also some mechanical augments because yeah. the dark troopers were droids, and mm-hmm. so the, the best guard they're wearing is like super reinforced, super heavy duty. Yeah. So, um, but uh, the one thing I did want to say is like, I, and it's, I don't know if this is a good question or like a question we can even answer, but a lot of the tactic scenes. Like with the Mandalorians, um, just the way they shoot, the way they move, the way they talk to each other, it's very reminiscent of like actual like tactical operations well, you that think military the uses today. They were so they're a militarized society. Yeah. Um, but I was curious the if they used like actual like 
ex-military oh, people for to, to play those other Mandalorians. That or, or help write the story part of that. or Yeah, because be it was just like, I was just watching how they were moving, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is, I, I know some of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was pretty cool. Um, uh, but yeah, there was this whole thing, like, with the mechanical augmentation. Um Grogu uses the Force a lot in this one. Yes, and there he uses it in a way I, I was very reminiscent of Rebels. So when the Star Destroyer's crashing... Yeah. And, uh, he uses the Moff Force Gideon, bubble. Yeah, he uses kind of that Force bubble thing that I guess um, the other guy... Canis. Uh, Canis was... Did the same Hera and yeah, everyone. Yeah, but sacrifices himself... Um, so that it was just like, ah, but, uh, that, and you have when he's trying to make sure he's not getting shot and, and stabbed by the Praetorian guards, he's running around in light fixtures and he's flipping and doing, yeah. yeah. And it's like, did like, cause this is the one where they find the vats with the clones in it. Was it Grogu that blew him up with the force or was it? Didn't like, jar and he's like set the console for. Oh, okay. I I just I must have been looking down at my notes when I was yeah, watching. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Um, but um, pretty much Moff Gideon, his plan is thwarted. They have retaken Mandalore. The forge is rewritten or relit. All is great for the Mandalorians. Um, and there's a very beautiful moment where, um. Grogu kind of puts his hand down in the living waters and the Mosasaurus wakes up. Yeah. And it's kind of showing like how all things in the Force are connected. So it's like, yeah, of course, like Grogu could probably sense him down there and it well, can probably sense Grogu. Well, I think it ties into Ezra from Rebels who had a very keen sense of animals and mm-hmm. could communicate with them. Um, which I think you kind of almost see a little bit during the first episode of the season when they're in hyperspace and the giant space whales come yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. The portables. And he's able to kind of almost put his hand out and feel them. Yeah, so. Um, but then it all kind of goes back to uh, Din Djarin, goes back to uh, whatever that world is. Oh, Navarro. Oh, Navarro. Um, where he has, like, a little house with <laughs> Grogu. Um and that chair you can apparently buy at Costco. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess um, that's pretty much it. So Yeah, and he talks to the New Republic and he's like, hey. I'm willing to help out. I'm going to be a- your undercover bounty hunter of Imperial Warlords. Yeah. so Which I think would be a good fourth season. Yes. Maybe take out some of these... These jerk, imps. These jerkwads. <laughs> I, I, it'd be really great if season four opened with him of Montage just bringing in random heads of Imperials. Or There's, just almost like how the first season started where it was just like he had like all these carbonite frozen Yeah, but he's just such a small ship now. It's just <laughs> True. That, that back pod where Grogu sits is just filled with heads. Oh, that'd be... <laughs> I don't know if they'll go that far. If Robert Rodriguez directs the first episode, they will. Oh, yeah, probably. All right, so Adam, let's. We've talked about the first three seasons and talked about all the the good stuff that's come out of it. Give me one hot take from the series.
are they going to say this week? So, I guess, I don't know if it's a hot take, um, but I kind of want to know your opinion on something, so I guess we can classify this as that. So, initially, like, in the first season, uh, the Gina Carano character and Mando were kind of set up as sort of like, ooh, they may have a thing. But now it's kind of feeling like, now that she's gone, like, completely written out of the show now, um, Bo-Katan and Din. I see... I don't see it so much as a relationship thing. Um, I think it's hard... It'd be hard to pair those two together as a relationship item um, because, A, you don't really have a lot of those romantic story threads in Star Wars besides Han and Leia. Um, I was going to say Luke and Princess. Oh, it's or, Anakin and Padme. Anakin and Padme. You really Star Wars it doesn't have a lot of love story in it. Now, here's where it'd be hard for me is because Din Djarin's part of that clan of Mandalorians who no helmet off. Yeah, very This strict. is the way. And she's not, and so he almost initially thinks of her as a non-believer and as a mm. as a unfaithful Mandalorian. That kind of changes the season. And he pledges himself to her to be in her army. I think he believes in her as a leader, but I don't know if he thinks that way of her. And I think maybe it's just because he's so obsessed with Grogu and being his. Now that he's his daddy, officially. Yeah, Pedro he, Pascal isn't yet another daddy. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we always said he was the daddy, but... Now he's the but daddy. he officially has adopted Grogu. It's legal. It's it's in writing. Yeah. It's, this, this is it's the in way. the waters. <laughs> this is the way. Yeah. <laughs> I have spoken. But, uh, yeah, so that uh, that was just kind of my thing. I'm okay. Like, yeah, they have good chemistry on screen. They do. work, so... But... Hey, what's your what? What you I, got? My big hot take is a good portion of season three is yes, we're building up to Moff Gideon. We know he's alive, mm-hmm. you know, with the the whispers that he's out there, and we see his wreck shuttle, but no body of him. Yeah, the whispers are there, but I really wish we had seen him with a little bit of a hand directing things happening in the background of the entire season. Yeah. Like it's not until the second last episode that his spy reports him about the pirates. And he's like, what? The pirates failed. Yeah. And it's like, I would have been cool to see him as a hologram transmission telling the pirates where to find the planet, what to do. Yeah. Well, um, in the pirates him. episode, that's the one where you find out like, oh, he never made it to his trial. Yeah. He, they find his shuttle at the end of that and um, find the shard of Beskar in there. So that kind of, it was setting up like, Kind of a double fake almost, because yeah. in the next one you have the Mandalorians as mercs, and you're kind of like, were they hired to do this? I don't think they would. But. No. And then you also have, not only is it, I, I guess this is my hot take, is his armor with the helmet and the spikes on it kind of was Darth Maul reminiscent. Yeah. And if you watched enough Clone Wars knowing the Mandalorians... The Death Watch used Darth Maul to help him take Mandalore for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so some of them had put spikes in their helmets, like his horns, to show their allegiance to him. So it's like, are we trying to talk about that, or is it just something we did because it looked cool? Yeah. Who and knows? That was that was kind of my hot take for yeah. this season. I just thought he was trying to look like a Mandalorian fanboy. Like, Could be. 
Ooh, I like these people. I'm no <laughs> cosplay. <laughs> All right, Adam. So let's wrap up our discussion here on The Mandalorian yeah, first three seasons. Yeah, this is probably a longer episode. <laughs> Not one of the longest ones. Oh, okay. Well, so overall, how, what what is your feeling of the series and where do you think it should go going forward? Um, I think, yeah, I think kind of what you were saying, it could be interesting to see kind of Dinjarin being more like going back to the bounty hunter kind of roots, but because um, I feel like he's gotten things pretty established for Mandalore, um, and yeah, they may go back or do whatever, but I think it's we're going to start to see more of kind of Grogu getting trained and all that. So I, I think it's it going in a pretty good direction, um, but I'd like. For it to get back to kind of maybe a smaller kind of story again, like not have the big bad like yeah, I agree. It's just like the echoes of things are kind of nice, and the setups for things are nice. But I kind of would like it to go back down to the smaller, grittier kind of story. Okay, no, I agree. Um, I'm I'm excited that this is kind of the first series that will set up. Or has set up a few films in, yeah. in series, so obviously it sets up, it set up the Book of Boba Fett, it sets up Ahsoka, and it's going to set up this skeleton crew that comes out later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything about that? Um, all I know is it comes out in later this year. It's got Jude Law as a Jedi in it. Oh. Um, really, that's really been a big reveal. They showed the cast off, not no other big names from it, but um, it's going to take place around the same time. Um, what was it say? Uh, according to their page description, the series follows four kids who end up on an adventure to make their way home after being lost in the galaxy, following a discovery they make on their home planet. Hmm. It's kind of an exploration show. Yeah. Um, it's interconnected with the Mandalorian in terms of time frame. Um, so it'll be interesting. Hmm. Um, so, there we go. We'll see what it what it's like. Yeah. Well, we will see what it is like. Um, John Watts created it, so that's you know, oh, okay. hopefully it will be... A good, a good, a very good thing, I think, for this since yeah. he worked on the Spider-Man trilogy for Marvel. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, before we wrap up this week's episode, um, Adam, it's time to talk about our geek wreck of the week. Oh, um, well, um, I I've been kind of struggling to come up with anything, but uh, I've actually started replaying uh, Far Cry Six. Um, I just finished it the other day. Oh, the Xbox? Day. Yep. But say, because I have the PlayStation version. Yeah, it's my version. Yeah, I know. I, I to you. could have just said, hey, can I have it? Can I replay it? Yeah, but, um, yeah, so, um, but I've been playing it using the uh, Ubisoft Plus service. Oh, okay. That's like, it's 17 bucks a month, so it's a little bit more expensive than the Xbox Game Pass, but, I mean, hey, you get a lot of the... The Assassin's Creed game, yeah, and all that stuff. So um, I'm trying to kind of work through some of my back catalog. But right now, I played through that, and it was uh, it was fun. Good. I mean, if you if you like kind of games where it's kind of play as you like and explore like a sandbox almost, um, because you could go in guns blazing or with a tank to do a mission, or you could do like I do and try and be a super sneaky sniper stealthy guy so it was fun it was an interesting story Good. Um, so i checked that out if you uh if you want 
Yeah, it's, so it's not my geek wreck this week, um, but speaking of replays, I'm working through uh, Breath of the Wild still. Okay. Um, redoing it. Because the before, new one's coming out. Yeah, so. in two weeks from this recording. Yeah. Two weekends from now will be um, a buzz mm. with this. Yeah. It comes out the day we go see our concert. Oh, yeah, that's true. So the fact that I'm going to try to prime... I mean, Megan really wants to go to the concert, but prime Megan away because it's already pre-ordered and, yeah. and ready for her. She already knows that she's got a copy of it coming. Um, but, yeah, I've been... I've been playing it and kind of wondering where I hope almost like Mass Effect where certain things that you've done in the first game carry over like that would be interesting. You, how many hearts you have or some of the equipment you have or instead have of questions. starting fresh yeah, every because time because we know this world already a little bit because it's, it's a direct sequel and like a lot of Zelda games where it's further along the timeline my question is going to be is how does Link oh. lose the Master Sword and how does he get it back yeah, that's true. Because you can't have him just have a Master Sword and be like, ha I've got the best sword in the game. Yeah, because this is one of the few games that's like a direct sequel. Yeah, in the and not only that. Zelda timeline. Yeah, and not only that, but I mean, from what I've been reading and seeing in reviews, um, I can, okay, we'll make this my geek wreck because Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom tied together. Yeah. Um, is they talk about how you can build your own weapons. Like, I need to put this stick on this piece of metal and now I've got a weapon. Oh, okay. And you build your own vehicles and stuff with some of the new abilities he has. Um, one of the things I've seen I really like and I'm going to be happy to explore is you can now carry a one-time use cooking pots with you. Oh, okay. So you can actually stop and make food wherever you're at versus trying to get back to a village or mm-hmm. a communal, communal spot. Okay. But yeah, so that's my geek wreck this week, I guess, is Breath of the Wild and leading into Tears of the Kingdom. Alrighty. Well, it's uh, got to be that time where we reveal yes, one of we the results reveal of our the polls. Results. Of the third March Madness bracket, and yes, this is May coming up, but we just kind of... It is going to be May when this comes out. (laughs) Folks, this is the last day of April, so yes, it will be May. Um, We did actors versus actresses, or actors and actresses versus each other. Yeah. Um, And so through our fun random number generator, we actually had a really good matchup of Tom Hanks and Harrison Ford. Yes. Um, And so final results, um, I won the first two weeks... Adam, you beat me this week. I Harrison did. Ford beat Tom Hanks somehow. I don't know. Um, two seventy-eight for Harrison Ford, two fifty even for Tom Hanks. Yeah. So I'm um, surprised. I mean, the twenty-three, twenty-seven of you, twenty-eight of you, who outvoted Tom Hanks. Shame on you. Tom Hanks <laughs> is going to come and drink your blood now to keep his eternal soul. Yes. Young and youthful. Mm-hmm. all right folks well that wraps up another episode of have a drink with some geeks podcast we want to thank you guys for listening to us ramble on about the mandalorian um this week we did not break into a sean gunn tirade no might be an improvement Mm -hmm. who knows true (laughs) um listen to us have some drinks and and just kind of discuss some of our sci-fi geekness this week yes remember you can follow like subscribe comment rate review Talk trash to us on all of our social media platforms at Geek Drink Pod, wherever we're at Discord, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and then, you know, tell a friend. If you and a friend, you and a loved one watch Mandalorian, have them listen to our podcast about this week's episode and let us know where we're right, we're wrong. Mm-hmm. We're not wrong. Let's be honest, people. We're not wrong. Maybe it's the Raspberry Tour Report we're talking about. Yeah, that's probably Okay. It. All right, folks. Well, thanks again. You everyone have a great geek week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast.
Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. <laughs>